Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. War Eagle, everybody. Welcome back to Believe in Everything Auburn. Taylor Davis, Jason Campbell here to bring you all the news that you need to know about your Auburn Tigers. We are, of course, going to recap this past week's game against Georgia. Look ahead to the matchup this week with Arkansas, and we have a great guest on deck for you. Former Auburn and NFL fullback Fred Beasley is going to be joining us, give us his insight, his all-pro, Pro Bowl experiences, and uh, and talk a little bit about what this Auburn team needs to do to get back on track. And you know, Jason, sometimes my job is tough, and that's what I would say about this week because, to be honest, I do not freaking want to talk about this past week's game. That was one of the ugliest showings we have seen in quite some time. And I would really prefer to just block it out of my brain, but we're going to we're going to have to talk about this one cuz there's there's a good bit to say. There's a lot to say, and some of your best lessons <laughs> in life are learned from failure. So, anytime you yeah. go through something, it's how you respond. So, Taylor, I'm pretty sure, you know, you was probably 14, 15. I'm not sure when you started driving or your parents let you drive a car and trusted you enough to go down the street. But, you know, I used to drive a standard shift growing mm-hmm. up. And that was my first vehicle. And sometimes that thing just got stuck in gear and I was bucking like a horse. And I know people were looking at me like, what is he doing? <laughs> and, uh, and I was still yeah. trying to shift that thing out of gear. That's what happened to Auburn this past weekend. You know, we got stuck totally. in gear and we couldn't get that thing going forward. But, you know, hopefully in the second half we came, we, we got it moving a little bit. We only held them to three points and we only scored three points. So, you know, we did respond in the second half with a little bit more tenaciousness, uh, definitely on the defensive side of the ball. Offensively, we still got to find out who we are and from a standpoint of the running game. But I feel like this is a game that's good for us. I feel like this is a game that we come off a tough loss against against Georgia. You know, you get a chance to play against an Arkansas team who is hungry and give us the opportunity to go out there and respond at home. You're, you're looking at it glass half full, Jason, and I certainly appreciate it. But uh, it was brutal and it was ugly. And honestly, it gets really frustrating as an Auburn fan because it feels like it's the same song and dance time and time again. Watching this past week, once again, us look like a lost football team up against our rival Georgia just feels like the same narrative every season. And we finally felt like it was going to be different. We had Chad Morris. We felt like in week one, that was the missing piece because the offense looked like it was clicking and it had layers and versatility. And it's almost like they took several steps backwards. And I understand the quality and the caliber of defense that we saw in Georgia is very different than what we saw week one at Kentucky. And you have to account for that. But the complete slide backwards is where, as an Auburn fan, you go, okay, this is the same problem a year later. So what is the issue? And I'm so glad we do this show with a man and a woman because women always keep it real. Guys, we're going to try to sugarcoat it a little bit, but <laughs> a woman's going to keep it real. Tell you you're 100% right. You know, this is some of the same things we've seen over the last couple of years. Like, okay, we get to that point where we see things come together from week one. And then all of a sudden, yep. week two, we run up against the Georgia defense. And it kind of showed you that some of the things in week one where we gave up a lot of third downs to Kentucky. But like I said, Kentucky wasn't able to turn those into touchdowns. The difference was Georgia turned those mm-hmm. into touchdowns. And not only did they turn them into touchdowns, they stopped us on offense. 
And the thing that we had going for us was we always talk about is throwing the ball to Seth Williams. But I told you, we cannot live by that week in and week out by throwing it up to Seth Williams because sometimes you're going to run into some good DBs. And sometimes they're going to double cover yeah. you or they're just going to win in those battles sometimes. And if that's your only answer, we're in trouble. And because of that, we don't have a run game right now. We have talent at the running back position, but our offensive line is not yet put together, which it takes that being put together for you to have those open holes for us to be able to gash people in the run game. And it's more mm-hmm. shocking to me and probably you too, because the one thing we know Gus for over the last seven to eight years is his run game. You know, yeah. his run game is what always gets going in games because he hits you with so many different levels in the run games. There's sweeps, there's tosses, there's inside zone, there's quarterback keepers. There's especially when he has an athletic quarterback in, which I think he has an athletic quarterback now in both. It makes me wonder, will they get him more involved in the run game? I understand they want to be careful with him, but do you have to get him more involved in the run game to get this type of run game going against these defenses that we're going to see? Because Arkansas is going to come in here and do the same thing. They're going to come in here and they're going to try to force right. you to be one-dimensional and just take your shots of throwing the ball up for for up for go routes and everything, one-on-one matchups, and they're going to say, hey, we need to win half these one-on-one matchups. But what we cannot do yep. is let them get started in the run game because that is where our offense come off of. And right now our play action is not – good because we're not getting positive yards in the run game so they're not respecting it so hopefully you know we get that corrected this week because it's so important because like i said we can't have these up and down roller coasters we got to know who we are week in and week out and that's the only way you're able to to maintain success absolutely we're going to break down both sides of the ball like we always do. But before we do, got to tell you guys, of course, about our sponsor, Bet Online. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at the game this year, unless you're a Georgia fan, because I think every Georgia fan in the world was packed into Sanford Stadium this past week. But we'll, we'll save that for a later time. You can still be in on the action at bet online from game spreads to and totals to team player and coaching props bet online gives you more options to wager than any place online and there's always the online casino as well that never closes so head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses again that is betonline.ag go ahead and sign up today let's break down the offensive side of the ball first obviously uh I don't think I've even said the score so far. So Auburn loses to Georgia 27 to 6. We got behind 24 to 3 in the first half. So like you mentioned, not a ton changed within the second half score-wise, which is a, a benefit, but um the offense never got going. Bo was 21 of 40 for 177 yards. He also threw his first interception in like 200 and something passes, uh which broke that streak, but This was a very challenging game for this O-line, and I think that it showcased itself very early. It's a a big reason of why the run game was held to just 39 yards. We could not get that going, but this was a very poor showing for Bo Nix as well. And look, I am not insulting. I think a very good quarterback is able to evaluate his personal play honestly, and Bo said after the game, that was a pitiful performance. Like he knew it was not his best. And I I think that that's a a great sign. He was sacked three times. He was pretty much pressured the entire game, but Bo has to learn poise in the pocket. 
you see it from him in matchups that are guaranteed, but the ones that are an uh, on edge matchup and certainly on the road, you can see his, it's a knee jerk reaction for him to try and get out of the pocket. And like we talked about last week, he's always escaping to the right. He's scrambling out too early. And then we saw him try and get rid of the ball on, on tackles and that you're playing reckless football. So I felt like this was a very disheveled performance from Bo which is disappointing after it looked like he had made such strides in week one. Yeah. Um, like I said, in some of those instances, he's definitely looked uncomfortable in the pocket. And a lot of it is, and like you said, yeah. the, the times where he's trying to make something happen when the play is pretty much over at that standpoint, you have to know when as a quarterback to say, uncle, okay, y'all got me on this one. Let's live to see another down because the worst thing you can do is try to make something happen when someone has a grab on you and all of a sudden it becomes a fumble and they can scoop and score or, you know, you don't want the worst to happen. So he has to understand like, Hey, it goes back to last year, a little bit of the Oregon game. I don't have to make every play. Like, let me just not put us in a bad situation by trying to make an extra play happen. And all of a sudden it creates a, a worse play, which is a turnover and gets the other team a ball on, especially on their side of the field. So he has to understand that. And then the other thing, like you said, Keller, is understanding poise in the pocket. I know he's trying to deal with having a new offensive line. I know he's trying to deal with the pieces being around him. But like you say, though, he's been watching himself now for over a year where he loves to escape to the right side. I think we mentioned this in our last episode that people will start to put a book on you. And if they know you love to escape to your right side, they're going to try to force you to go left. They're going to rush and blitz you from your right side. And then that way, if you do have to escape to your left, it's going to make you a little bit uncomfortable. But also, I just want to see him just continue to try to gravitate to the point where he moves up into the pocket. Uh, we talk, I listened to the game on Saturday. And you can hear some of the announcers saying that. They were saying there's times he needs to move up in the pocket and stay in there and not get outside the pocket. But the worst thing you can do for an offensive tackle, a right tackle, a left tackle is escape the pocket too soon. Because when you do that, you're helping yep. the edge rusher. And then once the edge rusher uh, gets a gets a, a bite on you, it makes it hard for the offensive tackles because they don't know where your set points are. They don't know if you're going to be outside of them or you're going to be inside of them. So that's something else that I say he needs to move up into the pocket because it helped those guys to run those defensive ends up the field. And then he runs them up the field. Now what can happen from that standpoint is the guards can't get pushed back. They have to make that wall stoned up front. And if they can get to that point where they're running the edge rushes up field, he's moving in the pocket and he's staying in there and he's making throws. They see that on film and then they have the stuff and then they have, chemistry from a standpoint to say okay we know where both set points are right now i don't think they know where his set points are and right now i don't think he has confidence in them building that wall in front of him so those are the things that they have to eliminate mentally because you can lose games mentally before you even get in them if you already worry totally. about what's going to happen then football is all about responding and reaction you know don't ever go into the game thinking you think what's going to happen you know because sometimes mm -hmm. most of the time that doesn't even come up so we just got to get to that standpoint. He has to understand, like, hey, let me focus on not trying to do too much, but at the same time, don't hold back some of my abilities. But I have to know when to say uncle, but I have to start moving up yeah. in the pocket and, and delivering some of these throws. Yeah, and, and that game was moving very quickly. I mean, he was seeing pressure as soon as the ball was snapped. So I understand 
kind of the the tough mental aspect of this one where it felt like he had a bit more time to make those decisions in week one. But I totally agree with you about escaping the pocket. And I think quarterbacks that know they have run ability, like Bo, we don't see it all the time, but when when he gets the opportunity to run, whether it's a QB design or just he finds a a hole, he can run and he can beat you with his feet. And I think quarterbacks that know that they have that ability, they think that the only way that they can utilize that aspect of their game is if they escape to the side and get out of the pocket. But I was actually watching the the Panthers-Cardinals game this past week, and obviously the Panthers won that, but Kyler Murray is good about that. He will step into the pocket. He'll find the crevices that his offensive line finds, and then once he takes his time, he goes through his progressions. If the hole is there, he scrambles from, from the inside of the pocket. You don't necessarily have to get outside to use your legs. And so I think that for Bo, he's thinking, oh, scrambling equals outside. No, step up, find the crevice, that your offensive line has created for you that buys you more time to get your targets downfield. And if it's still not there, take off where you are. Right. No, exactly. Cause the quickest way to point A to B is straight ahead. And you know, if you try to run around these guys and most of the time when you're moving straight ahead, your eyes are still downfield. So if you haven't crossed the line of scrimmage yet. You see guys where they make that last minute throw, you know, to a guy over the middle or tight end sitting right in front of them because they're moving towards the line of scrimmage. And when you're doing that, you also see quarterbacks where they're moving towards the line. They also get a little pump fake. When they do that pump fake, the linebacker respects it or safety. They jump up in the air. So when they jump up in the air and they leave their feet, you got them. Then you can go around them and make you another five or six yards. So he has to understand sometimes escaping from the pocket, like you said, means straight not always sideways. Because when you go sideways, you make it harder on your body to have to get twisted and turned to make some of these throws accurately on the run. And I know that's where he's most comfortable with because he does it a lot. Now it's just trying to teach your body to do the uncomfortable things. Let me move up in the pocket. Let me run straight instead of sideways. And he'll realize that that will help him out so much more too because it's uh, – I'd rather be second and six than second and nine or second and 10 because it's just too much pressure, you know? So any three, four yards you pick up, it, it, it matters. Well, let me get your input on play calling for this week. Um, and just offensive system. There were no completions to Seth Williams until the third quarter. And I just think that's a telltale sign that the pass game was not working. We've already said the run game was not working. They were held to just 39 yards. Now, obviously we were without some key pieces that took a lot of the workload in week one, Sean Shivers, uh, Eli Stove. Uh, there were just some question marks, Jason. I actually texted you during the game and I was like, where is everyone? Like mm-hmm. everything is is kind of hush-hush this season. A lot of it is to protect guys that maybe are dealing with COVID-19. A lot of schools are actually keeping things close to the chest. Um, so we're not entirely getting as much of a heads up about personnel that are limited or uh, dealing with anything as we normally do. So With that in mind that we were without some key pieces and we were up against a a very tough, stout Georgia defense, what was your take on on the offensive approach and the play calling in this matchup? Well, you can definitely see the guys that we missed. Uh, You know, I want to start with Shivers first. You know, I know know, Tank is a guy that, like I say, he ran hard and and did a lot of good things. But at the same time, Shivers adds another element because when he comes into the game, you have to respect his speed from east to west. And then not only that, he's such a pivotal part of once he does get through the line of scrimmage, he has the speed to take it all the way. 
And and he's a forceful runner too. Like he runs hard. And I think when you have that same type of like we talk about power and speed combination where one guy hits you with power and this guy hits you with speed, it throws defenses off balance. And in this game, they didn't have to honor that because Tank runs with power, but also DJ Williams run with power. So it's not like both of these guys run with so much exceptional speed. They're both similar backs. So you didn't have that change up back in this game. And then you think about Eli Stowe. Eli Stowe is a veteran. He's been around, I feel like, for more than five years at Auburn. Um, but when you think about him not having that other element, and we talked about that, I say people are going to smarten up. They're going to start the double team, Seth Williams. He won the top three receivers in the SEC. And, you know, his name is going to be called in the draft picks for Sunday. So they're not just going to let you line up and just say, hey, we're going to let you man up with our guy and and go head to head. They know more more times mm-hmm. than none. They watch the film. This guy's going to come down with the ball at least 70 percent of the ball if it's a jump ball with a one on one DB. Now, this week he had to catch on the goal line. But we saw once his elbow hit the ground, the elbow the ground kind of jarred the ball out of his yeah. arm, which would have been a touchdown. Uh, that's a tough one. Uh, but like I said, some of the throws that one catch he made where Campbell was hanging all over him, which would have should have been a pass interference, you know, he can make those tough catches, but you can't go to the well too much because it leaves the other guys out. And what I mean by that is they start to become play watchers instead of playmakers. And they're watching the plays. It's kind of like you're playing basketball. If you're on a team with LeBron sometimes, you're just watching him play and do his thing, but then you get lost in the game because you don't feel a part of it. So we have to get back to what we did in the first game is all those guys felt like they was a part of offense. Like you said, we saw crossing routes. We saw some dig routes. We saw, you know, right. guys playing out of normal positions, getting moved around on the field. And a lot of that, too, Taylor comes with you have to convert third downs. You have to convert third down so you can stay on the field more so that you can get to those plays. But once you get behind as fast as we got behind, I think it almost disrupted your whole their whole plan that they had to go into this game. All right, let's talk defense. Georgia literally doubled our offensive output. They had 442 yards of total offense. We had 216 yards of total offense. And Stetson Bennett got the start at quarterback, which surprised a lot of people, including yours truly. He went 17 of 28. He threw for 240 yards and a touchdown. And really the name of the game for them was the run game. There's just such a a toughness to this Georgia team that made us look several steps behind. So um, defensively, this was this was another tall task, and Georgia certainly found our weaknesses on the defensive side. Like you mentioned, though, another game of halftime adjustments, and, and the second half was certainly much tougher for them to move the ball than it was in the first half. What did you see from the defense this week? Yeah, from the in the first half of the game, man, it seemed like they were just running one-on-ones when it comes to routes on air. Like, you know, they was getting behind our our DBs, you know, like not by a yard or two. They was three, four, five yards by our guys. And uh, it seemed like when they threw the ball and Ben was throwing the ball, it's almost like these guys were just wide open. And it easily could have been 31-3 at halftime because they had a go route down the left sideline and the receiver wasn't even paying attention. And he had our guy beat by five yards. Ahead. He just looked up and ran through the catch. That's another touchdown. So I think in the second half, we went to more of zoning, zoning things up. Um, we, we got a little bit more pressure on the quarterback. We, we tightened up some spots. And like I said, you can't give up so many yards like we was giving up per carry on first down. 
Um, you know, like I understand you don't have the dairy and the Marlison up front, but at the same time, we've gotten guys. We have bodies that can get in there and get dirty and, and make some plays happen. And I think we just got to come. When you come into these big games, I think our problem is we wait to see what happens before we react instead of being the one that bring the mm. punishment and making the other teams react. When you go in these type of mm-hmm. games, you have to have that kind of mindset because that what separates when, like they say, you want to hit somebody in the mouth as soon as that whistle blows. You want them to know, like, dang, I'm in a, I'm in for a fight today. It's going to be a four-quarter battle. You don't want to go out there feeling your way around because teams can feel that. And when they feel that, they get that mojo. And that's what I feel like Georgia felt in the first half. They came out. They was feeding off the energy of the crowd, which I thought was way more than they supposed to have had. But they came out. They was feeding off that energy. Oh, yeah. And then all of a sudden, we didn't do anything to stop that flow of the energy. Like when teams are doing that, you have to make a play to stop that flow of energy, whether it's an interception, whether it's getting a turnover, whether it's getting a big sack, whether it's making them go three and out. You have to do something to stop the flood. And I feel like in the first half, we didn't do anything to stop the flood waters. And at halftime, we made some adjustments, but you also losing your your linebacker. Like we don't even know if K.J. Britt's going to be able to play this week. You know, he's coming off a shoulder injury, and he's one of our key guys on the defensive side of the ball where Big Cat Bryant is just now coming off a big ankle injury. So we don't know if it's re-injured after the game. So it's like you said, we talked about it. This is the year of depth. How much depth do we really have is going to be seen? Because if you don't have someone to step in these linebacker positions, I I suggest that McLean may go to the middle linebacker if KJ can't play this week. Um, but you know, that's yet to be seen, but somebody has got to step up because we have got to stop the flood waters. And this has been two weeks in a row where we've given up a lot on third downs. We let teams convert Mm -hmm. and it hurts us. So we got to figure out when situational football. So there's a lot of things to, to take from this tape and to get better from. And but they got to take mm-hmm. that with the mindset. You got to respond with the mindset is, OK, coach, I hear you. Not OK, coach, I know it all. No, I hear you. I'm, I'm going yeah. to do what I got to do. That's a really great point. And obviously losing Smoke Monday so early in the game, uh, he was ejected for targeting in the first quarter. That also it just kind of let the air out a little bit, but goes back to that depth and and the mentality of next man up, which this season is is likely going to have to require. But so you head into a, a new week. You kind of have to wipe the slate clean, obviously learn from a loss like that. But we will host Arkansas at home this week, who are coming in with a lot of momentum because they just pulled off the upset 21-14 to over Mississippi State, who had just upset the reigning national champs. So uh, a, a lot of momentum swinging in the way of the Hogs right now. Uh, but obviously this is a matchup that we have successful history with, unlike Georgia. We have mm-hmm. won four straight against Arkansas, and obviously there's there's a lot of elements to this one that there always are. There have been so many times where the rumor was Gus Malzahn was headed to Arkansas. Obviously that's where he got his coaching start in high school ball, and Chad Morris was the head coach at Arkansas before getting fired uh, after being the head coach just under two seasons. So. This matchup always has a lot to it, and and this Arkansas team is one that you have to keep your eye on more so than usual. Actually, if we're talking comparative offense, Arkansas and Auburn have both already faced the Georgia defense, which, again, I think is one of the best in the country. We put up, like I said, 216 yards of total offense against Georgia. 
Arkansas put up 280 yards of total offense against Georgia. So they were able to move the ball more effectively than we were facing that defense. So this is certainly not a team you can overlook maybe in years past. Felipe Franks is still kind of trying to find his rhythm. He hasn't necessarily found it, but uh, he's currently 39 of 64 in passing attempts. That puts his completion percentage at about 60.9%. And obviously a lot of hype around their running back, Rakeem Boyd, but he went out of the second series in the Mississippi State game. Word is he'll be back for this matchup, but something to certainly keep an eye on. So This is a great opportunity for this team to bounce back. Obviously, Bo Nix performs a lot better at home than he does on the road, and it's a good way to kind of get your feet back under you, but definitely not one that you overlook. So how do you approach a matchup like this one, Jason? Yeah, you're right. Um, You approach this matchup with just like any of the rest of them, that any team can beat you on any given Saturday, and that's how you have to look at this whole Mm -hmm. SEC schedule. And, you know, you can't come in there saying, okay, we're playing Arkansas. I guarantee you Mississippi State thought just because they went into LSU that they was going to roll the red carpet out and just walk all over Arkansas. And they got hit with a, a roses of awakening. And I think when Auburn, you can learn from that, that this kid, that this team going to come in there, they're trying to create a new culture. They're trying to change the identity of what they've been the last seven years is not who they are. And they're trying to get back to running the football, they're trying to get back to playing physical defense. And they're trying to get back to the Arkansas, the early 2000s, late 1990s. They're trying to get back to that type of ball. And it is going to be a slugfest. I do think they're going to try to come in here. And they're going to try to be physical up front. Like I say, I don't think Franks is the type of quarterback that you drop back and throw the ball with 40 times. I just don't see that. I feel like if he does that, I feel like there's room for us to get interceptions. But, Taylor, you're on the sideline during these games. Like, you can feel the energy of these players. Like, how much they actually feed off the crowd, how much their their conversations are going on. Like, that's the aspect I don't get a chance to see right now because I'm stuck in the booth because I can't get to the sideline because of COVID. So I don't get the chance to feel that energy and see what's going on. But I tell you what, if you come out flat in this game, you're going to be in a dogfight. This is a team that you have to jump on early. If you jump on Arkansas early and then they know like, okay, this may not be our day. But if you let this team hang around, it's going to be a four-quarter fight. And when it's a four-quarter fight, it's anybody's game. So, and plus, we're not that team yet. You know, we're still trying to find our identity. So we can't just roll out there and say, hey, we're big chess Auburn. And, hey, you know, we had your number over the last few years. Like, no, it doesn't work that way. This is the schedule we all talked about. It's going to be different because no coach want to look at the schedule and say, dang, we can't go two and eight in the SEC this year. That makes us look terrible. And Arkansas looking at that like mm-hmm. there are no roller coaster games for teams like Arkansas and Vanderbilt. So they understand like we got to knock off some of the big dogs. And, you know, in their eyes, Auburn is a big dog. So, you know, Taylor, you can tell us a little bit about Intel, about on the sideline. How is it? Like, I don't I don't. I've always wanted to know this because I've never been in this situation. Like, how is it on the sideline with these guys like yeah. during this time? This year in particular, it's it's weird, Jason. I mean, it is a tangible difference in terms of energy. And I've been I've been at stadiums that have zero people in the stands, and I've been mm-hmm. at stadiums that have like twenty thousand. And there certainly is a benefit. A- at least any people there helps just from a noise factor and some adrenaline, mostly, you know, on big third downs and things like that. But as far as the overall 
start to finish game experience, it is very different. And these guys, I see so many of them almost like they zone out a little bit on the sideline. And and I know there's a level to exhaustion and, and fatigue that they're starting to feel because conditioning was different this year and preparation for season. And so a lot of them are, are more tired and sluggish. But I think if you were in a normal game where there's 80,000 people and literally like the ground is shaking because they're so loud, the fatigue you can kind of put to the back of your mind. But honestly, I'm seeing them, there are less distractions for them as far as, which obviously you don't want a distraction from the game, but sometimes you want a distraction from your exhaustion and, and the impact of what your body's going through on the field. And none of that is there. And I, it really comes down to team leaders kind of forcing everyone to to get up and watch the game and jump around. Like there's always those guys on the team that are going up and down the sideline trying to give energy to people, but it doesn't feel like normal college football from an energy perspective and from an adrenaline perspective. And I'm not surprised to see some of the the sloppy, undisciplined, lethargic plays and and showing that we are seeing because it is very different. And and that is something that people certainly need to keep in mind. But this game, you're absolutely right. This team needs to come in here and create that energy and hit them in the mouth first because they are going to be coming in with juice. I mean, that was their first SEC win since October of 2017. They had 20 consecutive conference losses at Arkansas. So this is a huge monumental week for them to have beaten Mississippi State and they don't want to lose that feeling sometimes if you give a team that experience that taste of a victory that they weren't supposed to have they have such hunger to taste it again so this is certainly one that Auburn has to go full steam ahead they have to start strong early and create the energy that is lacking in college football right now All right, Auburn fans, that's enough from Jason and I. I know you're ready and eager for us to bring in our guest, so let's go ahead and welcome him in. Like I mentioned, we have former Auburn and NFL fullback, all-pro, pro pro bowler, quite the resume, and we are so excited to get his input on this Auburn team. Everyone welcome Fred Beasley. Hey, Fred, War Eagle. Hey, War Eagle. Thanks for having me. Good morning, everybody. Hey, Fred, it's always a pleasure to have you on, man. You know, you're one of those – one of those old vets we call, you know, you're not old <laughs> literally, but we just call you in the football world. You are an old veteran. So mm. we just uh, happy to have you on, man, this morning and uh, and everything. So we look forward to talking to you, hearing from you. And, uh, you know, hopefully one day, since you live in a wine country, I get a chance to come up and uh, share a glass, brother. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the door is always open to, to my Auburn people. It runs deep, and I love it. Well, Fred, we're obviously going to talk a good bit about what's going on this season. Want to get your input on this past week, as painful as it was, but we're going to start on a high note and talk about your playing days. You were drafted by the 49ers in the sixth round of the 1998 draft, and you went on to have a very successful career, like I mentioned, all pro. Um, I feel like it's it's a trend we're continuing to see, especially this season. A lot of Auburn guys that are really making their mark on the league right now and finding success. Jamel Dean, Darius Slayton. I think these guys are really coming into their own. And as someone who did the same thing, you found success at Auburn and then transitioned to the league really well. How do you think your playing days at Auburn prepared you for the next level? Well, of course, all of us mentally. I mean, no, 
coming up under Terry Bowden and, you know, Joe, uh, 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 some of the coaches that was hard-nosed and, you know, really playing in the league was a, a lot easier um, than in during my college days, you know, especially mentally. And, um, you know, it's, of course, in the league, it's all about, you know, preparation and getting ready to play on that Sunday. And, you know, uh, but in the college level, it's like they, like, you know, pulling your hand and everything you five or six minutes late or whatever. I mean, you got stairs, you got, you know, roll a hundred yards or back crawl. So, I mean, but in the NFL, you just get a fine out your paycheck, you know, uh, yeah. you know, a couple hundred dollars. So it wasn't, really wasn't no big deal. But mentally, it was it was a lot easier transitioning to the NFL um, than college. And uh, I'm just, you know, coming out of high school and in college, you just didn't know what to expect, you know, being recruited. Um, you know, of course, the the coaches are the, the, the friendliest people that you ever want to meet. But as soon as you sign your name on dotted lot dotted line and come through them doors, it's like it's like war. You know, it's yeah. it's like you know I've never been in the in any in, in, um, in the armed forces, but it's it's like military. <laughs> so I mean, you know, they hold you accountable um, a lot more in, in college than they did in NFL. So I mean, like I say, in NFL, you just get slapped on the wrist with a fine. But you know, you're making that yeah. type of money, Jason made. You know, yeah, that them the <laughs> couple thousand dollars, couple hundred dollars, then you matter. That's true. That's pocket change. Hey, free. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, I did all right. I did all right. <laughs> hey, you still doing all right. Yeah, when I think about, you know, you growing up in Alabama, Taylor grew up in Alabama. You know, I'm a Mississippi guy. Um, so both of us come from states that don't have NFL teams. Mm-hmm. So with you being so highly recruited uh, coming out of that state, how hard was it to to deal with, like, choosing between, like, Auburn and Alabama? Uh, this is one question I really hadn't asked. A, a guy from Alabama before. So I figure I'd ask you because, you know, this was sounded during some of the, the glory days of Bama days and some of the, the glory days of, of Auburn days. And right when Auburn kind of started playing the home and home away um, series. Mm-hmm. Well, for me personally, it wasn't hard because I already knew I was going to Auburn. Um, but I made it, I just put on the show, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. I think if I was, if I didn't go to Auburn, uh, the next school in line was Tennessee. Uh, it wasn't Alabama. Um, I never was a, you know, and it, it might have been the colors. I don't know. I never was an Alabama, you know, fan uh, coming up. Um, but I definitely was a mama's boy. Um, and ain't no, ain't no way I was going to leave mama, you know, uh, going to Tuscaloosa or, or uh, Knoxville or whatever. But if it wasn't Auburn, it would have been Tennessee. And I could tell you the reason why I didn't go to Tennessee. It was, it was, they was close. Mm-hmm. The reason why I didn't go to Tennessee, I was there on my recruiting visit. You know, during that time, you know, mama, we didn't have a lot of money. And, you know, so I had these shoes on, these tennis shoes. Mm-hmm. And the bottom one was loose. It almost sounded like flip-flops when I walked. <laughs> so, you know, so these guys, you know, they were, they was my host. And I went to one of the, I can't remember the guy's name, whoever my host was, but I went into the dorm room. It was, it was a lot of other guys in there. And I walked in there and they start joking on me. Mm-hmm. You know, they start joking on my shoes. You know what I mean? That made me feel so, I was just ready to go. I mean, I cried, yeah. you know, and I was like, I'm not coming here. And, um, and so that's my, that's, that's, that ruined it for my, the Tennessee chances, you know, me oh, going yeah. to Tennessee, that, that little episode right there. And they were joking on my shoes, man. They was, you know, every time I walk, it sounded like I had on flip flops on because, 
the the bottom of my soul was you know was coming off but anyway yeah it that's why i chose to stay home you know i went to auburn and of course it was the best decision i ever made yeah we're certainly grateful that you decided to to become an auburn tiger and let me ask you because you were an in-state guy originally from montgomery what matchup was most important to you as an Auburn player? Which which game did you get most hype, most hype for each season? You know what? Uh, I would say I would say Alabama, but actually it was the Georgia game. Mm. That was the that was the most intense hype game to me than Alabama. Um, you know, I, I really didn't buy into the hype with Alabama. Uh, although, yeah. of course, I, I wanted to kick their butt every time we played them, but to me that me personally the Georgia games is what got me going um it was something about that 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 about Georgia that you know that 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 turned my burners on for that game um but uh basically asking your question it's really the Georgia games okay well I wish it had turned their burners on this past week because it sure looked <laughs> like they were all in neutral oh yeah Boy. man they yeah they ain't they ain't crank up the, they ain't crank up the car did they <laughs> it was in part. It was stalled, my man. It was yeah, stalled. Man, that car yeah, it's a part. But Fred, you, you played the running back position. Um, you know, you played in the backfield that was that was full by committee. And so tell us about like this Auburn team. Like right now we're dealing with a new offensive line and then also they're dealing with running backs by committee. Like they have like three really good running backs. And then we also know that Harold is transferred and now he's entered the transfer portal. So he has emptied his name from the backfield. So now it's become a three headed monster. How hard is it as a running back to first of all, get into rhythm? Um, during a game when you're having to share the ball? And then how hard is it when you're trying to figure out your new offensive lineman that's in front of you to get a feel for their blocks and, and where they like to set their points at? Well, for me personally, it's uh, being a running back, a former running back, um, if I'm going if I, if to be the guy, I need to know that um, mentally. And, you know, playing the games, it's very hard to get any productivity from three running backs in one game. Um, two, yeah, but you got to find that guy. Um, you know, play him that game, you know, uh, or give him two games. If he's, if he's not productive in those two games, okay, let's, let's, let's get a other guy. But playing three guys and thinking that you're going to get some sort of, um, uh, productivity out of your running game is, is extremely hard. And I'm not a, you know, uh, you know, a college coach, but I did, I have played the position. And, and then and another thing is getting to know your offensive line. Um, Auburn have a young offensive line, and it's the exact same thing. Coach is still trying to figure out that line. I mean, they didn't have they didn't have a spring um, camp, um, so this really is like all in one playing a game and spring camp. Still trying to figure out who you guys are, who the guys are. But as far as a running back, you have to you know uh, you know play that guy who you think gonna be your bell cow. Bell cow. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, if he's not that guy, I mean give him two games, you know, and, and stick in the next guy. I mean, but three guys, yeah, that's that's like, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's almost having, you know, three guys or three dads at a household, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's, 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 it's screaming hard. It's screaming hard. And, you know, the running back got to get a feel of the game. The running back got to get a feel of his, his, his guys up front. And it's all about patience, you know, seeing the whole – you know, the quarterback got to know the running back. You know, running backs, you know, some running backs have false steps. Some running backs don't have false steps. So 
even with the quarterback, you know, he got to know who that running back is. You know, some running back, you know, put their clock up higher, some put, put them down lower, lower, you know, that affect the quarterback, you know. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's screaming hard trying to find some sort of productivity out of three running backs in one game. I think that's a really great point and honestly something I hadn't thought of thus far. And I see it often with quarterbacks. Like so many times, once a coach, quote, gives a guy the keys and tells him, all right, you're our guy, you're, you're leading this team, this is your offense, you see their game elevate. And that, that parallel certainly exists at the running back position, especially for an offense like Auburn wants to run. So I, I think that's a really great yeah. point. Well, let me ask you this. So if you're in this situation that Auburn's in, obviously this past week was different because Shivers was banged up, but you've got Sean Shivers, you've got Tank Bigsby, and you've got DJ Williams, and you're sitting here saying, we got to figure out who our guy is. Who do you think it is? Well, I'm again – to me, you have to be a complete running back of this level. You can't just come in when it's time to run a jet sweep or, you know, when you want to run a, a bubble pass or a swing route or run between the tackles. To me, a, a, a back got to be able to do all of it. Strivers, to me, he's, he's, he's an outside guy. He's not a, right. he, he can't run in between tackles. Uh, Bigsby, I think he showed that. He can do, do yeah. it all. And, you know, right now I will hang my hat on this because he showed to me that he can be that guy in every game as, you know, he's a true freshman. So every game he just going to get better. And he he might be that future franchise guy at Auburn. But, again, you got to feed him and you got to help him um, produce, you know, how you do that. Keep him on the field. Tell him he the guy and the, the, the ball in his court. It's his, it's his, it's his mm-hmm. job to lose. You know, and um, and of course, I'm not taking anything for Travis. I mean, he, you yeah. know, different guys bring different elements to the game, and um, you know, right now, Auburn's still trying to figure out who that guy is. But you know, yeah, yeah. Let's let's look at the the, the first two games. I mean, it's easy to see. Yeah, it's big. Yeah, both of y'all are correct. Uh, you know, you bring the aspect of the running back position right now because when I think about it, it's the point that. You know, every guy is used for a changeup. You know, like sometimes you have your third down backs who are better in pass protection and getting out on one-on-one routes against linebackers or safeties uh, and option routes. And then sometimes you have those first and second down backs. And I do think Tank is one of those guys that can be a really good every down back. But I think Showers is a good changeup when you want to come in there and hit. You can go power and then you can go speed. And uh, exactly. And I, th- and I think sometimes DJ is a guy that can get you tough short yardage. You know, if if Right. Tank is a little banged up. DJ comes in there. He can hit it between the tackles. We saw last year in the LSU game. He had a breakout game. Uh, so I think all these guys are have to, going to have to be utilized at some point during this season because it is an all-SEC schedule. And because of that, the game are going to be a little bit more physical than, than you're not playing like a, a lesser down opponent. Every week you got to get up to play. So that means your body's going to be a little banged up. So these guys are getting a little bit of what it feels like to play in the NFL on a 16-game schedule where every week counts. So, right. uh, yeah. So, Fred, back to your point um, about them shoes you was talking about. You know, back in the day, you know, all of us used to play outside. We played hard. These kids now, they all video games left and right. We played outside. So, if your shoes got down to the sole, we called them talking shoes. 
So we called him talking shoes. We knew like, hey, we saw a buddy walk around the corner with some talking shoes. We were like, okay, we better get ready to play because we know this guy has been outside putting that work in. So, you know, to your credit, all that work that you did in those talking shoes paid off for you, bro. So, so Hey, so, man. Hey, I, I just knew I couldn't sneak up on nobody if I wanted to. They'll hear me. <laughs> you know, them same ones. Them same ones. Them flip-flopping, man. I went through some shoes now. I made I made the best out of it. Hey, that's what we're talking about. So if you this team and you're coming off a tough loss, you know, you played in Georgia. I say you played in this game, Taylor's cover, a lot of the SEC games and big games. And you get so amped up for this game. And it doesn't go the way you thought it was going to go. And, you know, you come back a little bit. You're a little bit in the tank, you know, from what happened to you over the weekend on national TV. How do you respond as a player? Like, how should these guys respond this week against the Arkansas team who went into Mississippi State and, and beat Mississippi State, who I thought Mississippi State kind of gave the game away mm-hmm. uh, inside the red zone? They you know, went for it twice on fourth down and didn't get it. Um, mm-hmm. But any win is a confidence. And that was Arkansas' first win. Uh, Taylor, I believe, was like over 20-some SEC games. Yep. Um, right. So anytime that team get that first win of conference play, what Auburn should be alert about, and how should we respond this week? Hey, man, Auburn should be alert about that confidence. Arkansas are going to bring to the table. Right now, they're a confidence team. You know, they, it's their first SEC win in forever. And Auburn coming off a loss. But to Auburn credit, they went against a great Georgia team that was ready. You know, um, but, you know, really, you got to look at yourself. You know, what I can do to, you know, to help prove myself, to help my team as a player on our Auburn squad. But, again, Auburn must find their identity. You know, in games like this, man, you can't let teams like Arkansas, you know, like Vanderbilt, these teams that barely win in standing game to the fourth. Because these teams find – you know, these teams find a way to win. You know, as long as they stay in the game, you're going to give them confidence and confidence and confidence that, hey, we could, we could beat these Tigers. And if they're going to do anything, they need to put the nail in the coffin early, take that confidence yeah. out of them early. But if they play like anything close to what they played against Georgia, it's going to be a dog fight to the end. And, um, and right now, you know, Arkansas are riding on cloud nine. And um, Auburn still, you know, you know, looking for that cloud. You know, they, mm. they, 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 they must find their identity. You know, they must find some productivity out of their running game because obvious for the offense to, to click, to crank up, they need a run game. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, right now, they, you know, uh, Nick's is not ready. You know, he's the guy. He, he got a year up on his belt, but he still, you know, he, he, can't, he can't, you know, put the offense on his shoulders and go out and win a game. He's not ready yet. He's going to get there, but he need help. And, um, you know, with the young offense line, with no production out of the run game, with a second-year quarterback, they got, they got to find a way. You know, they, they got to mm-hmm. find that, that, that confident button somewhere. I completely agree with you. Wow, well said. Arkansas on cloud nine, Auburn looking for the cloud. Isn't that the truth? I think there was a lot of good that was taken away from week one, and unfortunately week two was a completely different story. So which team are they going to show up and be this week against Arkansas? There's a lot on the line for this one, but Arkansas has some juice in the tank, and uh, and we have tanks, so hopefully we can we can make something out of that. But Fred Beasley, thank you so much 
for taking some time to chat with us today, give us your insight and look back on your playing days. It's always great to hear from some former Auburn Tigers. So uh, thank you very much for joining us. Anytime. I'm always up to talk about some football. Anytime, guys. Well, that will do it for us this week on Believe in Everything Auburn. Jason and I greatly appreciate you guys listening to us each and every week as we break down the Tigers. And, Jason, hopefully this time next week we're talking a win because I really don't do well talking losses. <laughs> yes, hopefully this, hopefully this time next week, like I said, everything is on the up and up and, uh, you know, we've seen progress. So, you know, let's just – yeah. Auburn fans continue to stick behind this team. Uh, like I said, Taylor, I've given y'all the intel about, you know, what it feels like to be in these games. It's not our usual yeah. and it's not our norm. So let's get behind these kids and let them feel our energy from afar so that they know that, you know, you're still behind this team and, and through thick and thin, you know, we're there. So yeah. War Eagle. War Eagle. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.